I'm Dr. Robert Carter. On this episode of Creation.com Talk, I am interviewing my dear friend Keaton Halley on a fascinating series of articles he's written about King Hezekiah from the Bible. But Keaton, before we get into the articles, we have to establish for the audience who this guy was, why it's important, and then we'll get into the archaeology and how the archaeology backs up the biblical account. Who's King Hezekiah? Most people, a lot of people at least, have never even heard of that name. Yeah, okay. He was actually one of the more prominent kings, a, a good king of Judah in the Bible. So he was a descendant of King David. Okay. People may recall that the whole nation of Israel was once united under Saul and David and Solomon, the first three kings, but then it got split into two parts. So there was Israel in the north, they kept the name, and then Judah in the south. And they lasted that way for a couple hundred years. Yeah. So when does Hezekiah come into that picture? Uh, In the 700s BC. Uh, He lived right through the the turn of the century there into the 600s. Okay. And he actually was the king on the throne in Judah, in Jerusalem, when the northern kingdom of Israel fell. Ah. So they were conquered by the Assyrians, this like major okay. superpower of the superpower, time. Superpower, ancient, famous culture. Mm-hmm. And so here we have a biblical story that meshes in with secular archaeology. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, so the okay. account people can read in Second Kings chapter 18 and 19, and it tells this account of Hezekiah um, after the fall of the northern kingdom, those same uh, Assyrians came after the southern kingdom of Judah and came after Hezekiah. And that the attack occurred in 701 BC. The Bible actually says that Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and took all these fortified cities in Judah. Okay, do we know that some guy named Sennacherib actually lived from their records? Yeah, absolutely. There's lots of documents that we have from ancient Assyria written with this cuneiform script. We have, for example, a prism that he made that tells his annals, these records of all his like military campaigns that year after year, he'd go out and conquer different places and so forth. And so it was the the third campaign that he embarked on was the one where he attacked Judah. Okay. Now, he didn't conquer Judah. That's right. And the biblical story, actually, it's, it's really a fascinating story in its own right. It, yeah. it basically talks about how an angel came and saved Hezekiah from, who, who was, you know, holed up in Jerusalem an angel decimated the Assyrian army and, and spared Hezekiah and his kingdom. So yeah. they endured for several hundred years after that until the Babylonians came and, in and 586 Judah. BC. Yeah. Okay. Under Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. All right. So we have these two ancient kingdoms, funny names, long names, <laughs> but we have this this way that these other, you know, called secular if you want, other archives and other archaeological digs in other countries mm-hmm. have backed up the biblical yeah. story. And in Israel itself as well, well, in the kingdom of Judah. How so? Well, there's lots of things we could look at. Let's just start with maybe um, some of the the characters in the story. So there's Hezekiah himself. We've actually found several uh, kings in that time. They they would have like a seal, a particular kind of iconography that they um, could stamp into a, a piece of clay. And a lot of jar handles have been found with that stamp on it belonging yeah, to the king. a similar stamp. Uh-huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. And those would date to Hezekiah's time. You're talking about the, the what are called the Lemelech yeah. seals. Lemelech is Hebrew for belonging to the king. Oh, so you're talking about... A physical ring seal yeah. on like a document or something like that. Yeah, and that they would okay. seal these, you know, pieces of clay which were like wrapped around a string that would tie up a scroll. And so, if the seal hasn't been broken, that's how you know that nobody's read this, you know, top secret document or whatever. So we've actually found like these pieces of clay that have been hardened and preserved until the present. And one has like the name of Hezekiah on it, saying that this cool. seal belongs to Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz. Years ago. 
Biblical Archaeology Review wrote an article that was a short list of all the names that have been validated in the Bible through archaeology. Right, yes. And there weren't many names on that list at the time. That that list has grown since then. Mm. And there's at least two names in this Hezekiah account that have been validated. The first one is... Oh, more than that, actually, because oh. a number of the servants of Hezekiah have been found. They're, they've got these seals as well that have been true. recovered. Where are they finding these seals? I don't know about uh, necessarily all. There's one that was in the city of Lachish, which we'll talk about later on, okay. hopefully. The second most important city in, in Judah in, yep. in Hezekiah's time. So after Jerusalem was the capital, that was most important. But Lachish was second. It was in the foothills of Judah. The servant Shebna of right. he- so Hezekiah again is mentioned okay. on that name is you know one of these so officers. In random his biblical names that we just read in the Bible and you're like yeah whatever and you keep on going yeah. and yet here we validated that this guy actually lived and he's at the right time period the right context. Um, the, the historicity of the Bible is screaming here from the archaeology that we're finding. Yeah. Okay. I, I think another one that you, maybe you were thinking of is uh, there's the possibility that we found the signature of Isaiah the prophet. Of the book of Isaiah. And so Isaiah was a contemporary of Hezekiah. He's mentioned in 2 Kings 18 and 19. And there was a seal found that the name Isaiah was on there very clearly. But then the the last line was the word, I think it was Navi or something like that. And the last bit of it was broken off. We can't tell for sure, but it most likely is the word prophet. If so, that's the seal of Isaiah, the prophet. And even if it didn't say prophet, that's still likely the seal of Isaiah. Yeah. And it was found so, like something like 10 feet away yeah, from where the Hezekiah seal was found. And Hezekiah's had multiple seals found. So no question he existed. Other characters in the so, account. So, okay, wait a second. Audience, please understand. This is a biblical character to live like 700 BC. Yeah. And we've absolutely validated his existence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no question. And the Bible's supposed to be made up, right? No, the Bible is extremely historical, and it matches the historical record when we dig it out of the ground. And this story in particular is so fascinating, not only in its own right, but because the archaeology has confirmed, like, almost every detail of the story, you know? Right, so give the the audience a teaser. What's another part that has validated? Well, you've got... The, the towns that Sennacherib came and attacked, we found destruction evidence all over Judah in many of these towns, including Lachish in particular. Yep. So at that site, you've got the Assyrians piled up field stones in the southwest corner to form this siege ramp where they could roll up their, they used battering rams back then to sort of knock down the walls of the city. And you can go there to Lachish, the city, and see the the battering ram still, you know, bu- I'm sorry, the, the, uh, the siege ramp yeah. built up there to this day. There's destruction evidence, like it was burned by fire at that time. We find weaponry, like arrowheads sling and stones sling and stones, stones yeah. yeah, armor scales from the Assyrians yeah. and so forth. And then are you aware of the Lachish reliefs? Um, I have seen the Lachish reliefs in, in, in the British Museum. Yeah, nice. And it's amazing. The archaeologists went to Nineveh and dug up the old city and transported it back to Britain. A lot of, a lot of pieces. And Nineveh was Sennacherib's capital. So yeah. like his, several of his palaces had been found there. Yeah. And so for some reason he decided to make this massive bas relief depiction of the siege and destruction of Lachish. Why? I, I, because he thought it was important. Yeah. But you see, I mean, there's, there's guys going up a slope with the battering ram. You see people throwing stones on the soldiers' heads. You see a pile of skulls, in front of the yeah. king sitting the there. The people being impaled, you know. People the, being impaled. The, the captives people, of Judah kind of marching out of the city. People with their, having their skin ripped off. You see carts with four-spoked wheels and six-spoked wheels. And, and that's some really, that's 
just from a, a technology standpoint, the wheel is fascinating. And hmm. so it looks very realistic. And the story backs up what the Bible actually yeah. said. It's, happened. it's actually like this visual depiction of that biblical event. This, yeah. The text we have nothing like it anywhere says else. Sennacherib was there at himself in person at the site of Lachish. And then he sent these emissaries to Hezekiah in Jerusalem to sort of do some trash talking. And yep. But ultimately, the Assyrians did conquer Lachish, but they did not conquer Jerusalem. Okay. But archaeologically also, from his perspective, what did he say about Jerusalem that tells us he didn't conquer it? So there's a, an ancient clay prism. Actually, there's Sennacherib's annals that I think I mentioned earlier describing his military victories. They're recorded in, in different ancient artifacts. Yeah, uh, multiple. Several clay prisms. These are hexagonal prisms with cuneiform writing on them. The one that speaks about this third campaign, the attack on Judah, Sennacherib, he boasts about trapping Hezekiah in Jerusalem. And he says, I've sealed him up like a bird in a cage. Bird in a cage. <laughs> But he didn't conquer Jerusalem. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of like an empty boast. Didn't didn't have any relief paints on the castle, and then we left, defeating the city. Yeah. <laughs> so it does sort of leave a hole, like a gap in the in from the Assyrian point of view. You're wondering why, you know, why didn't he completely conquer? Well, the Bible says that a lot of his army died in a plague. That's right. From yeah. the, well, it was hand an, of the angel of the Lord. So that's right. It says yeah. that the angel of the Lord put to death, you know, thousands of soldiers in the Assyrian camp overnight. That, that people just woke up, and there were all the dead bodies. And so the end of the story is Sennacherib was forced to retreat, go back home, where eventually his sons killed him. Okay, but the Bible says his sons killed him. Right. And the Assyrian records say it also. That's right. So one more correspondent. The number of correspondence here is profound. Yeah. Okay. There's something on my bucket list. (laughs) I want to do this so bad. It's a secret thing in Jerusalem, under Mm -hmm. Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And it's called Hezekiah's Tunnel. Yeah, that's right. on my bucket list too. Oh man, I, I want to do so badly. Anyway, <laughs> go through the story of Hezekiah's Tunnel, what it is, why it was built, when it was built, and the fact that we found it. Yeah. Because the audience needs to hear this. This is really cool. From the biblical perspective, what does it say? Yeah. So, so we already mentioned there's a passage in 2 Kings 18 and 19. There's also other passages like a parallel account in the book of, books of Chronicles that talk about Hezekiah and some of what he did. So he knew ahead of time that he was in trouble with the Assyrians, you know. They just destroyed Israel. Yeah, they're coming. Yeah. And so he made some sort of defensive preparations in Jerusalem. That's right. The walls also. I forgot. The walls. Yeah. It says he built up multiple walls, erected towers, built new a new wall outside the original walls. And it also talks about him. And, and by the way, we found some of those walls. Yeah. Before, before we get to the tunnel, maybe we should okay. mention those. Walls first, what are the names of the walls? There's one that specifically is named l- later on in the book of Nehemiah. It's called the Broad Wall. A couple of times it's called that. Big old wall. Scholars too. believe that they've found this particular section of the Jerusalem wall. And the reason it's called broad, broad it's is wide. because it's so wide. Yeah. It's in a weak part of the, like the northern part of Jerusalem, which was susceptible to attack. Because so Jerusalem likely, is on, it's on top of a couple of hills. I mean, Temple yeah. Mount, the, the city of David, that's an uphill battle. And so on, there's only a couple of places where you could get to it easily. That's right. And they strengthened it. And on the north side, there's kind of like, a, it's connected to another hill on a saddle. Yeah. So... They made the wall wider there, and that, in theory, would also like be a protection against these battering rams that we see on the Lachish reliefs, for example. Yeah. So anyway, it's likely that Hezekiah was the one responsible for that that broad wall and other parts of the walls in Jerusalem. Yeah, the timing fits and the biblical story fits, so yeah, there it is. Yeah. Okay. So then the tunnel, the, the tunnel. text also says that Hezekiah rerouted the water supply of the city. He didn't want Sennacherib to have all this water available to his army. From the Gihon Spring... 
It was on the east side, I think, right? Yes, that's right. Okay. Yeah. It's basically Jerusalem's only freshwater supply. So, you know, in ancient times, there's lots of different ways that the people like try to direct that water to different reservoirs and things like that. But, but this is crazy. What Hezekiah did is like under the city, dug into solid rock, not in a straight line either, but it's like this that's meandering crazy. path. That's the craziest part. He didn't go in a straight line. But he had two teams of workers. One from one side and one from the other, and they went through the mountain mm-hmm. with handpicks. Yeah. Like from the east side all the way to the west side of, yeah. of all Jerusalem. all the way through. Yeah. But when you look at the route, it, it kind of meanders. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't know how they did it. And the slope is like, it goes like 700, uh, 1,700 feet underground, but it only slopes down like a foot from the start to the finish. So the water just gradually like runs down to the, the pool of Siloam is where the ending is. And somehow those two teams met under the city yeah. in the middle. That's nuts. That's crazy. I, mean, I guess if you're in the end of one tunnel, you could kind of be listening, sort of, but sound goes through solid rock pretty good. It, it would be hard to get a direction, but at the, at the end where they meet, they kind of boom, and then they meet mm-hmm. at yep. the same level too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And there was an inscription. That's right. That's the okay. way we know that the tunnel was likely dug in this way is because at, at the exit, the end, the end of the tunnel... On the western side, there was an inscription found that the the style of the writing, the paleography, dates approximately to Hezekiah's time. And it doesn't mention Hezekiah, but it says that the two teams of workers, you know, started at opposite ends and then met in the middle. But isn't that in England? Did someone chisels that up and bring it I away? I think it's in Istanbul, Istanbul or, some or something. Yeah. yeah, they didn't leave it in place. Too bad. But yeah. still, All right, maybe someday I'll be able to see the inscription. <laughs> I just I just want to go walk through that tunnel more than anything. Yep, yep. I'd love to do that. So, Keaton, tell the audience where they can find your articles. It's a three-part series. If you just go to creation.com and search for Hezekiah. H-E-Z-E-K-I-A-H. That's right. All right. Yep. Hezekiah. And there's a number of articles as well that we'll we'll link all these actually in the show notes to make it easier. If you're watching on YouTube, you can just click the show notes below and click on the links. A few other articles that we cover about archaeological artifacts relevant to this time period as well. We'll put there. And so lots more information available if people want to find out more. We've got some great books as well on our web store uh, related to this subject. We do. I'm not an archaeologist, but I love archaeology. Yeah. just We're just kind of hobbyists both. <laughs> yeah. But the coolest thing about archaeology is so much of it supports the biblical story. It wasn't just made up. It's real, yeah. it's real history, mm-hmm. and it matches what's in the ground. And that's mm-hmm. crazy because 100 years ago, people were saying that wasn't true. Yeah. And yet it is. Yeah. So often the the biblical account is vindicated when, you know, skeptics once thought, oh, here's a Bible problem. There's another great article, my article on King Belshazzar of the Bible. People want to search for that as well. If you want to see more of this type of material on the internet, please do us a favor. Like, share, and comment on this video. Mm, Yeah. We'd love to hear your feedback and just hear your thoughts on, on this material. Yeah, what else do you need to know about Hezekiah? Did it bless you? Uh, what other subject areas should we cover in archaeology? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because in the end, archaeology does confirm the Bible. Mm-hmm.